Billiken fans, welcome back. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe buttons, especially if this is your first time checking out one of our shows. It's season four. Once again, the Midtown Madness is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Uh, Pete, I consume a lot of internet content and uh, some of the ridiculous sponsorships out there just blow my mind. Uh, it's always a useless subscription service or a loot box of some kind. And uh, I, I mean, there's just no need for any of those things. Uh, they're not going to save you money. Uh, we can't promise that, but what we can promise you is two men in a garden salsa is going to be awesome. Uh, it's local. It tastes amazing. They've got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com, which, if you're particular about your salsa, that's where you want to go first. You can follow them on social media as well. They're at Two Men Salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Pete, I got to thinking today, and I decided that I'm extremely jealous of Ohio State right now. And it's, it, it, it's complicated, though. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear you talk through this. I mean, the obvious reason is just because they're without their head coach, right? Yeah, I. I mean, they 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 ripped the bandaid off, and and that's you know that in itself is great for the fans, just because they know change is coming. Um, but I would. I just want uh, they get to enjoy a, a win over the number fifteen team in the nation, right? Like right. that's. Or yeah, what was isn't that what they did? They beat the fifteen team in the number fifteen. Like they can enjoy. Okay, it doesn't matter who they beat. The fact is, is that Ohio State fans can now enjoy wins without worrying if, if like, the athletic department is going to be swayed by a couple of fun games and wins, as if there's progress being made. Right. I, I, I got you. I see what you mean. I'm trying to pull up their schedule here to see if they just they did that. beat they did beat a ranked opponent. Well, they beat number two Purdue, but that was last week, right? Oh, you're right. And then they just beat um, Michigan State today. OK, as we record this, they beat Michigan State um, by three at Michigan State. So even though they had a loss in between those, I mean, that's two out of three really good re- results. For a team that had been sputtering all season. Yeah, I I mean, it's not not so much that I think anything can be salvaged from this season because I don't think it can, but uh, because I think the issues with Billiken basketball run a lot deeper than just X's and O's. Uh, You know, it's roster building that is just, that's holding this team back quite a bit. Um, And not saying they're bad, like there's just not that guy that we need to fill out this roster. It's not, I mean, they're one of the guys on this roster, not named Brad is aware because he's old could be that guy Mm -hmm. uh, could turn into that guy, but we don't have him right now, which is a a rim protector uh, with our guards being subpar um, on the dribble drive. And we're going to get into it in the George Washington game. Right. But uh, first up, we got to talk about this kill coin interview because wouldn't you know it? Uh, something gets released right after we record. Yeah, it's that way every time. 
isn't it? And and we even teased it on the last show, right? If we you, knew it if, was coming. If people remember, we both kind of gave our version of of what might be said in the interview. Uh, but but what what actually was said, Zach? And and I guess we can go through and try and hold ourselves accountable too afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as much as we were just trying to be funny, we also thought we knew we knew a little bit. We've heard a little bit of that Travis Ford talk after game, so we had an idea. Um, first first quote: uh, No one no one's as unhappy about this as I am and our players. We don't expect people to be happy. We expect to have criticism. When you play at Kentucky, you hear it all, and you learn to, or you need to have thick skin. Uh, the, saying that after what was allegedly reported is happening in Philadelphia it is very humorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is the the sort of interaction with a fan on the way out of the game there. Yeah, uh, whatever that was. I, I mean, I just don't know how you can even respond. You're you're the dude who's in the position. As a head coach, like, yeah, I, like, what's the, what was the uh, Ed Cooley's response? I'm rich as shit. Yeah, like, yeah, basically. That's that you should be, you should have that thought in your mind, not necessarily say that thought. Right. But like, that should be your thought. And then you just keep walking. Right. Um, He said, I take full responsibility, full responsibility on everything. We got to get better. I'm more obsessed now than ever to get this right. This is the most difficult year I've had as a coach in my 27 years as a head coach by far. I would, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't really have any issue with that one. He says he's more obsessed when, with than ever in terms of getting that right, getting things right. I don't know if I quite believe that part of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know what that means. Cause certainly we're not seeing the manifestation of that on the court. Yeah, and I don't know, is he saying that in the sense of this year? Or is he saying that in the sense of, like, on a grander scale, like, uh, you know, roster building? Because if he takes full responsibility and he's got to get better and he's more obsessed to get this right, right now, I literally don't think, and we can, and like I said, with the, the Holtman situation at Ohio State, I said to you before going on air, I think, is that uh, I, with the Ohio State, there was probably enough talent to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably do some different things with that talent uh, and and get more out of it. Uh, here, I, I don't think we are missing talent, so to speak, more as we are missing uh I think on the defensive end, a lot of it is just straight up that we don't have a rim protector, like I said in the opening. So I don't know what you can fix other than to come up with a way that to stop. a. I mean, the pack line defense is really what I thought about the other day, like watching that game and watching people just drive on us is the pack line. De- but like, I don't know if a new perspective on defense would help with this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I took it to mean this season, like riding the ship this season and building momentum for next season is is kind of the way I interpreted that. But you're right. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's so late in the year now, right? I mean, we've got a, just a few regular season games left. So there's just not enough time to implement something new. Right? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we had the article that came out from Stu uh, about how 
uh, they were going from they were shortening practices to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. They're just going to go hard for 60 minutes and then call it a day. And so, I mean, I guess you change that now. I don't. I actually don't think that's a bad idea at all. No, it's a great idea. You should have done it. You should like, that's how it should have been at the beginning of the season. Like that. It should have always been like, I just, my brain always goes to, and I'm, of course I'm wearing the shirt uh, to training. Like Mm -hmm. you, when you're getting ready for a race, you bring down the volume and you raise the intensity so that you're fresh for the game. Like there's no reason to practice to do physical, physically demanding basketball work more than 60 minutes a day mm-hmm. in season. There, there's no reason for it. So like, yeah, I don't like, know what they're doing for two hours unless an hour that's video. Then I can understand that. I try and think back to when I, when I was there and um, Romar had a habit of letting practices go on too long and losing track of time, but it wasn't like full tilt the entire time. Whereas Brad tended to have shorter practices that were like timed out a lot more to the minute. Right. Um, He would allow for some wiggle room in there, but he had a really, uh, you know, it was a crisp schedule for practice. And I, I don't think our teams necessarily got, fatigued i think he was always very conscious of having um fresh healthy legs uh because he was such a defensive minded coach right and he wanted his defenders out there and feeling good for 40 minutes of of a game and i I, i've heard you know varying coaches approach this varying ways right i I don't know how long majerus's practices were but he was obviously a practice coach that's what he lived for um, I had always heard from our coaches at the time, they hated Tom Crean. He was at Marquette. They they went on that final four run. But every year after that final four run, the, what I had heard about Crean was that he just practiced, he overworks them. Like he practices up until the allowable minutes, you know, for, from the NCAA. And so his teams always start like 12 and one and then would kind of tail off after the season because he just exhausts them. And so, so there's definitely a balance to strike, right? Like, like you, you want to yeah. be able to scout and implement everything and keep them sharp you know, on, the, on the things that they need to be sharp on. But at the same time, you have to be conscious of the fact that this season is a marathon yeah. and you, you have to be very careful with uh, fatigue and injuries. And, and I think it even goes beyond physical fatigue, right? I mean, there are times when I realized that I was like, you, you burn out. And I mean, that's a, that's the quickest way to lose your team, right? Whether it be physical or, or mental burnout, because uh, actually mental burnout is probably worse than how quickly you lose your team. Because if uh, like, if you're keeping them around the gym for two hours to keep working over the same damn thing, I, to, uh, I, I mean, you get tired, like you're tired of it. Like you're tired of playing basketball. The idea of doing anything, whether it be basketball, soccer, running, uh, cycling, doesn't like you get tired of it. Um, Yeah. So I, 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 again, he's switching to the 60 minute practice is a great move. Uh, I don't, it it should have never had to be a move in my opinion. More than 60 minutes a day of, of, training is or physical uh, that's just that's nuts um now mental preparation i i all all for it 
two hour video fine uh but you don't uh, yeah um we knew it was the huh, pete pete this is where we get it this is you know i love to call out you know uh discrepancies i may be the worst at like finer details but i can spot when the finer details are way off mm-hmm. you know uh this is one of those moments uh, we knew it was a rebuilding year, and then you're building through a time of trying to get a grasp on the transfer portal and NIL. It's all kind of new to everybody. I have a much better grasp on those things, of those things, especially over the past month as we dig into it and get a better understanding. What were you doing, Travis, for two years? Day one. Day one, when the NIL stuff comes down, you have to be in front of it. You have to absolutely be in front of it. You know, like when the when the new updated NCAA rule books come in every year, you got to know, like, what are the sections? What's changed? You have to know. And then once once the NIL stuff started happening, even more so than ever before, you have to be in front of it. You have to know how it works. You have to know what the implications are. You have to know what the marketplace is like. You just, you, you have to be out in front of it. And it, this just as much as we've always suspected just makes it clear that slew has been late to the party. Yeah. They, they just, they haven't figured it out. It doesn't mean they're not doing it. We know they're doing it, but just to say uh, you're getting a best, a, a better grasp in the past month is, is shocking. What do you, what, your, your work, you're looking in NIL in the middle of the season, but also like <laughs> it, it's one thing to say, Hey, well, there have been a couple of things that have changed in the past month and we've had yeah. to evolve our understanding, but that's not really what he's saying here. And, and that's, that's what's, what's crazy to me is because I, I just, I can't imagine like knowing that this is where the competitive landscape is going. That's what you have to do in order to compete. Why are you so far behind the eight ball on this? Like if you're a competitive person, look at the landscape and figure out what you have to do to compete. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't, I mean, we were taught, like, how long have we been talking about the NIL? I don't even know. I mean, it's one, it's one of those things that feels like it's, it's. So it was your account, I think. talked about a ton, but at the same time, I don't have a really good sense of like, what was the the launch date of it? Yeah. I mean, the Collins thing was the big. That was the first one where you're like, oh shit, Uh, this is going to play a big role in things. Um, and, and at that point, like, how, how did you not, as a coach where it's, I mean, the, 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 as the story goes, uh, basically somebody stepped up, uh, in the slew booster community and, and kept Yuri Collins on that team. That's as the story goes. Um, but how do you, as a, as a head coach nearly lose your star point guard and your season to an clearly an NIL situation and Mm -hmm. then not say, okay, we need to really lock down on this because we are in grave danger of losing all the players that we've brought in. Even if you wanted to be one of those schools that just said, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. We're going to do our own thing. That had to be a bucket of ice water in your face, right? Like like that whole situation, you're right. It had to wake you up. It had to. Um, I, I, I just don't get it, man. I, I just, 
I don't know why they haven't been looking for a competitive edge there all along. Uh, better understanding, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, this one's kind of another another head scratcher. Um, we were still trying to put a roster together in August, which we think set us back a lot in the summertime in terms of getting better. Um, I don't know what that means, to be honest, because like everybody can get better individually. Um, I, I mean, I don't know why you're putting together a roster in August. That's a, that's a whole other can of worms. If we we can get into it. Well, see the, see the previous entry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I um, mean, they, they clearly were losing in the, yes. recor- in the recruiting world. They, they, and, they weren't getting their first or second or third choices. Things were taking a longer time than they, than they almost signed have. Malcolm Dandridge. That who, thing went on for months. And then who is now academically. Sus, the eligibility is in question for Malcolm Dandridge. Right. It sounds like there was a cheating scandal or can, something. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. At Mal- Malcolm Dandridge comes to St. Louis University. So let's say Ezawiro doesn't come then. You have the eligibility issues with Bruce, Abu Magasa, Steph Van Bussel. And then the middle of February, you lose your center. Like, I don't, is that worse than not having the center at the start? Because he wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be eligible at all. I don't, that's an insane run of like questionable eligibility recruitment. Well, the word, the words being tied to this are academic fraud. So it seems like he, there was some kind of cheating or something, which, uh, you know, I guess you got to do at Memphis because it has such a reputation as an academically rigorous institution. Uh, so yeah, hard, hard to imagine he would need to cheat at SLU, right? I mean, it's, we're no, we're no Memphis. No, we're not. No, we're, <laughs> we are the, uh, we are the UT Martin of the, of the, uh, West of the Mississippi. I mean, it's just, uh, just, just incredible. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't like what do we, what... <laughs> this this roster. Uh, they're still not the the roster's still not put together. Uh, <laughs> these are all excuses, and fans don't want to hear excuses. I get that, uh, but it's reality, and we have a plan going forward. In. Uh, no question. Now, yeah. this, this is this, but oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to set it up. And I, I wanted to know like, it's an issue. It's this is another one where you you wonder a little bit what he's talking about, like what, what the yes. time frame is. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because when I, when I see a plan, I think, well, okay, that, that, you know, the only option this this year is to win in in Brooklyn five games in five days because we're going to be at bottom four seed, right? Barring that less than one percent chance outcome, he's talking about next season. And when you look at next season, Hargrove and Meadows are gone out of eligibility. Jimerson could come back for what would be his sixth season. We don't know yet, which I know is crazy. And then you've got your other potential returners the international guys the younger guys sincere parker what what would be your returning roster you have one player signed incoming player 
And um, the recruiting pipeline is just not really there. It's just not there. And by by that, you mean we have how many offers officially out for for players that would be eligible next season? Fewer than ever than since I've been tracking. I've been tracking this for like 11 years since, since cruise. And this is, this is fewer at this point in time than ever before. Um, they've been not even a trickle of offers. We've got a few Juco offers in the past few months and that's, that's it. It's been dead silent on the recruiting trail. So, and, and how many, how many guys over the, over six foot 10, six foot <laughs> nine, over six, nine, zero, how many over six, nine, zero, zero. Yeah, and what are NP? What are we missing? Yeah, no, I know it's it's undersized guards who are getting these uh, these offers, but so so then let's let's just take him at his face value. He's got a plan, right? Mm. I think we would all be naive to think that in this age, we're going to get all of these players back because international players can go in a heartbeat. And they're not as tied to the American academic model and things like that. And then you've got your other guys, younger players who might return. But you've got to assume, and I'm not going to like speculate on rumors or anything like that, but you've got to assume that of that core of young players, some of them are just not going to want to come back because a disaster of a season. Yes. This this was a disaster of a season. Regardless and, and, of rumor, when you have a season yes. this bad, people leave. Yes. So you're not going to have this this whole set of returning players, eight or nine guys or whatever, who say, yeah, let's run it back, right? And if you did keep them all, if you did keep all of those guys, all of the international players, all of the non-international players who are still eligible – you're one incoming player. You only have a couple roster spots to give. Is that the core you want to keep? You know what I mean? So like then is the plan. We're just going to like over redo the roster. We're going to boot all these guys out, bring a bunch of new guys in with what offers. Exactly. Cause then I return to recruiting and go, well, you've offered a few Juco players. And in most cases, we're the strongest offer, you know, like some of these other guys have offers from like, Oakland and Austin PE and, and, and Eastern Washington and like no disrespect to any other schools, but it's just a, a, a matter a matter of fact that the a 10 is at a stronger level than these guys, other offers. And so then we're going to go to the, tra- we're going to have to go to the transfer portal and that, and that's always a possibility guys that you haven't offered now who are going to be there in March to May, who you can, who you can bring in, but we already know from our conversations about NIL, from other conversations that Troy and other people have had publicly about NIL, the transfer market's expensive. To do well in the transfer market, you have to spend money. And so then you go back to how much money do we have to spend on a coach who's on the hot seat, mm-hmm. you know, or for a coach who's on the hot seat. So like, no matter how you try and work out where the plan would be coming from, it just doesn't, it doesn't work out. You bring everybody back, you've got more or less the same team. Uh, you, you don't have a whole lot of roster spots to give, you, but you don't have anything in the recruiting pipeline. And then if you try and get it done in the portal, we're not one or two or even three players away from this being a good team. We're uh, one just, player away from beating George Washington by 10. 
We are one big man away from beating George Washington by 10. That is what I, okay. In earlier in this episode, I said that we need one guy to make this team work. And I meant that in the sense of just run like, like a, like a fiat fix it again, Tony. Um, but yeah, like, but to get to where we need to be, we need at least, yeah, two, three, four guys. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just, it's not close. So I would be really curious to see what that plan looks like and how realistic they think it is. But, you know, I was shocked that he didn't get into it point by bullet by bullet. (laughs) We want specifics with dots. Mm -hmm. Um, Ah, what else did he say? It kind of snowballs sometimes when you have years like this and injuries, uh, the ball doesn't bounce your way. Um, injuries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been some bad luck this season, but there's, you know, we've had a fully, fully healthy roster that's given up 90 plus points at times. So it's, you know, the, the, the core problems are still there regardless of that. I thought the funniest part of this whole thing was that he re he, he talked about Patino who reached out Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's funny that the guy who just burned his whole roster uh, yeah. In a post game, by the way, um, is Forge being played by Patino at this point? Like Patino is like he knows how to do this, and Ford just does not. And Patino is like burning his whole roster down, and then goes ahead and rattles off like two wins in a row or whatever. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I um, <laughs> like Ford's trying to do a Patino, but he just he just cannot do it the same. I have to imagine that that phone call was just the two of them going back and forth, trading stories about how upset they are at their current rosters and how, <laughs> how this guy's not getting it done and how these kids have no heart and how they like this. Like, I'm sure it was just, it's not the same on those, forth. on those Kentucky teams. Right. Like they I'm just, sure they a, just don't look the same, Peter. It, it, was was, the... it, it had to be a lot about like toughness and these kids don't have it anymore. And you got to pay them and all, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's what it was, but I will say this about Patino. If you remember the game um, where we won on that buzzer beater. The Iona? We were, uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking oh. about SLU. Louisville. Back in 2000, Louisville. When Patino was at Louisville. Yes. And and we beat them. They were number two in the country. We were coming off a seven-loss streak. It was Soderbergh's first year as my sophomore year. And we beat them at, at the buzzer. Yep. Um. I went, so being a manager, like the way that the locker room was lined up is the back door of our locker room lined up with the, the only door of the visitor's locker room. And it was, it was across a hallway. It was actually the hallway in between them is where the blues would normally come out. Uh, I, I believe if I have my hallways, right. It's where the blues would normally come out of their tunnel. There's, there's doors on the left and right. And those are like visitor locker rooms for, for basketball. But anyway, um, I open the door and Patino is standing at the door. And as his players are walking out one by one, right? Cause I'm like just going over there to get the towels and other equipment. We let them borrow. And one by one, the players are walking out with their heads down and Patino standing there with his arms folded, just ruthlessly laying into these guys one by one. Every other word starts with F. I will not share it. Friend. Our friend? family, our family friendly audience here. 
every single word out of his mind. I mean, it's the most profane tirade I've ever heard. One by one, you guys are losers. You guys, you guys uh, have no heart. You guys are soft. You guys are weak. You're terrible. You're overrated. None of you can score. None of you can defend. Just ripping. This was the number two team in the country. Every single guy walking out of there got like the worst insults I've ever heard a coach give to players one by one by one on the way out the door. He was just standing there giving it to him. So I like after taking that in for probably a few seconds too long, I shut the door, gave those guys a few minutes, and then I went back into that locker room and uh, to, to get our stuff and they had destroyed it. Like they had knocked like, like, um, like locker doors off. They had punched out ceiling tiles. They had like broken a bunch of things in there. And, uh, and we wound up having to send Louisville a bill for like thousands of dollars to the, for the damage that they had done to uh, what is now enterprise center, the, the locker well, room. An invoice. <laughs> yes. We had to, we had to invoice them and, and they reimbursed us. And then we had to, you know, pay the, <laughs> pay the, well, I guess Scott uh, Savis center at the time it was um, back for that. But yeah, so, so, so ripping on your players publicly might be something new for Patino, but like, I've seen the dude with my own eyes and ears. I've seen him and heard him do it to his players, to their faces. The most, most ruthless stuff I've ever heard from a head basketball coach. So like, I, I, I assure you, what he's what he's just putting out there for us to hear right now is nothing new. It's nothing he hasn't said to them privately. Incredible. Um, yeah. But I, that is it, what a what an interesting. Like I love that Travis Ford like mentions Patino by name at the same time. Patino is just ruthlessly ripping yep. his players in the media. Yeah. Um, on being judged on his whole career at SLU versus just this year. Uh, we've won a lot of games. Do we want to win even more? Absolutely. Every A-10 team wants that. It's been a struggle the past seven to ten years to get multiple teams in the A-10 or in the A-10 teams in the tournament. We have a better understanding of how to handle this portal, NIL things, and things we've implemented recruiting wise. And I think we're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Shut the front door. So, so I mean, really, he's saying here: judge me on my whole body of work. We've won a lot of games. It could have been better. We've had some bad luck, um, but just wait because we're gonna get we're gonna win some more games, right? And I just yeah, is he? This is, he's literally blaming eight. the Atlantic Ten. I mean, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I mean, every A ten team wants to do that. It's been a struggle the past ten years. Ten um, years? I don't know if it's been. It's it's seven to it, ten years. What is it? The last time. We made the tournament. Was the last multi bid A ten? No, I, I la, last year I think Did was the we first. Get we yeah we've we've gotten just I think just two most years, but I think last year was the first one bid in a in a really really long time. Yeah, I I mean this is this is just I, I don't know what like again he's talking about they have a better understanding on how to handle this portal nil thing like the portal's been here for. You literally built an Atlantic 10 championship team off the portal. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. By this point, again, by this point, the head coach of a college basketball program in D1 should not be complaining about the portal, should not be complaining about the NIL. If you cannot handle it, Division One is not for you. 
There are division two and three and NAIA jobs that would love to have you. Yes. Division one is not for you. Um, If he's aware of the outside noise and whether he thinks he'll be fired, I'm aware it's there. It should be there. We're having a tough year. I wouldn't be happy as a fan and I'm not happy as the head coach wants to win for this fan. He wants to win for this fan base, get this corrected for them. Still gets a lot of emails of support for people behind him. Uh, I got to imagine it's not from Billiken fans. I think that's the back home crew. Yes. Yeah. That's the the Sean McDonald's, the, the Barry Williford's or whatever. Next name. Yes. All the burner accounts that have been sending us messages. Should we, should we predict the next burner account name? Go for it. Let's try Let's do a new segment presented by two men in the garden. Guess the new burner name. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, Martin Branderson. Martin but then also, Branderson. also like five or six numbers. Yes, of course. So six, seven, nine, two, four, five, three. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, this one's interesting. Um, he still gets, he gets, she got choked up here. Uh, I don't worry about the other stuff. I really don't. I absolutely love St. Louis. Living here over the past eight years, I've had some of the most rewarding times of my life, but also some of the most difficult times of my life here. This is a special place. I love it here. I want to get the season turned around now and look forward to being unbelievable next year because of the fan base, for what this city has meant to me and my family, because we've experienced a lot here and people have been good to us, not just during the good, but the difficult times. I have true love for St. Louis and St. Louis University. And when you're a coach who's moved around, you have certain things you like about certain places. We've been through a lot here. This is where my kids would tell you would be home for them. I don't know if I believe that, but that last part, I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I can't speculate as to that, but I mean, I, I guess I could see it because they all basically went to, you know, middle school and high school yeah. here and stuff. No, like I mean, I look like, again, you love this city. Great. Be an announcer and have your home base here. Yeah, I uh, just coach like, at Lindenwood. This uh, is one of those things where you really like he did get a little choked up here, and you know he's referring to to right. Ford Stewin, and and this is where the broadcast, if you watch the video of this, this is where they cut to a scene of Ford Stewin's memorial service, um, that was held in Chaffetz Pavilion, like during during this part of yeah. it, which I I know people had some reactions to that. Um, yeah, I think it's. I don't know, man. I that stuff it still bothers me. Um and like it's it's tough because yeah, that happened. That's real. That's not n- bullshit. It, it's I, I don't know if if calling it out by like like punching us in the nose with it or the viewer, I guess. I and again, that's not on Travis Ford. Mhm. Like Travis Ford didn't edit the piece. So I have not, nothing to say to Travis Ford on that. I just think it's a, it's a choice and it's, yeah. it it's putting, I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I don't love that choice. Uh, but again, Travis Ford didn't edit it. I want to be clear on that one mm-hmm. that we're not yeah. blaming him for that, uh, for using, well, you know, never mind. Right. 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 Um, yeah, I, I want to get this thing turned around and we have a plan in place. We have a plan in place that's already in action to get this thing turned around. 
Um, is that a uh, what's like race car? What's that called? The word race car. What is it? It's a, it's a, it's spelled the same backwards as forwards. That oh, sentence. An that's anagram. A, yeah, that sentence is an anagram, but like with words. Yeah, uh, anagram. It's, is that right? Yes. No, no, anagram is just rearranged. Is it onomatopoeia? No, that's a that's a word that is uh, spelled like it sounds. Okay. Anyway, uh, but you know, like race cars, it it's spelled the same backwards. This sentence is literally, he says, I have palindromes. A... Yes, palindrome. that, that's that sentence like a palindrome. Yeah. It, yeah. He's literally, am I, am I making sense? Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. You're I want to get this thing turned around. We have a plan in place. Now we have a plan in place again. That's already in action to get this thing turned around. Right. Yes. What, so an, he... what an incredible phrase. I mean, we've already talked about the feasi feasibility <laughs> oh, of a plan. Oh, I mean, but the, no. the, go ahead. Sorry. The only thing, the only possible plan, the only possible plan based on what we said the last time, uh, you know, a few minutes ago when we talked about this, the only possible plan is if he said, we've got $4 million committed to next season. I'm going to go get the top five guys to enter the portal. Yes. And that's going to be our starting lineup next year. We're going to yes. get the best big. We're going to get the best point guard. We're going to get the best shooter. We're going to get the best five guys in the portal. I'm unless, donating all my salary. Unless that's the plan. He Unless he thinks he's going to beat Arizona and UNC and every other school for the top players in the portal, then th there just is no, to me, there is no feasible way that there is a plan that could turn it around next year. Um. So, yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. my and I think the point is like you look at one of the tweets that our friends over at West Pine Bills put out and it's you've got every year that Travis Ford has been here, I think except for the first one, uh, he has underperformed versed or verse, sorry, versed, Jesus, uh, versus uh, the preseason ranking or preseason oh, yeah. in the conference. Like, yeah. so what? We won the A10 in the championship when we were picked to we were picked to win it, and mm -hmm. we finished sixth. We were picked finished sixth, and we finished fifteenth. Even if it's four million dollar roster, like, what are we supposed to expect from that? Besides a second place finish, and maybe make the tournament as an at large. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing, right? It is I, I think I put this on Billikens.com somewhere is no matter what roster it is, we're ultimately going to be disappointed. Because if you if you go, this is a roster that could win in any league in the country, yeah, we'll find a way to finish second. This is a roster that should be a top five team in the country. We're gonna be a, a top 40 team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're just gonna underperform. But so so let's add add some of that perspective. Uh West Pine Bills did a lot of this this legwork for us, but as they do. As you were saying, SLU has finished worse than predicted in the A-10 preseason poll. Five out of eight years under Ford, including each of the past four seasons. Um, the highest finish that they've achieved under Ford is fourth place. They were in a three-way tie for second place one time, but they got the four seed based on tiebreakers. So it's with that caveat because we've had people come at us saying, no, they finished second. It's like in a three-way tie and they got the four seed out of that. So big asterisk there um the average finish of his teams is 6.875 so basically seventh place in the conference in the past 10 years slew has made the tournament twice 
this will be one as of next season, right? Because that that last uh, appearance under Cruz will fall off. Um, so so VCU has made it seven times in the past ten years. Dayton five times. Um, heading into this week, Slu's winning percentage this season equaled the winning percentage in Ford's first season, which was thirty six percent. I think you know we went. 500 this week so we're at 37 percent on the year now so basically the same thing i mean really zach with all of these things there's many many more ways to break this down but slew's paying forward not just the highest salary in the a10 currently but the highest salary in the history of the league right as as west pine bills pointed out on that that post game spaces very recently oh, the highest salary in the history of the league so that's just that's got to put into perspective what we're accomplishing here. It's just a vi- it was very little for the amount that we're we're spending. Yeah. Um, how did we do? I guess on on our guesses, our role play. You know, I I don't think I did all that well. I think I rehashed a lot of the things that he said on like the coach's show or in like kind of his the usual local media hits. Um, that are pretty softball pieces. So I, I I do think I kind of missed the mark because I think he made fewer excuses than usual. And his tone, Zach, actually reminded me a lot more of his tone when he was addressing that social media blow up earlier this season. Um, he's still not being very specific with things, but he's he's not he's not giving me a whole lot of faith in whatever his plan is. But I think there's more like kind of self awareness and accountability than we normally hear in those other media spots. So. I, did 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 we did I miss it? I would say yeah. I, I kind of missed it a little bit. I don't know if you feel the same way, but um, you it, know it was, I don't was... listen to anything anybody says. <laughs> like whether it's me, you, I have no I like I black out for like two hours, and then I never listen to it again. Fair enough. Well, speaking of blacking out for two hours, I think we ought to d- talk about this uh, Duquesne game on Tuesday. <laughs> <20th. laughs> It's a, you're you're learning for me on your transitions. Yeah, that one was pretty smooth. Though. Fantastic work. Um, eighty-one sixty-six loss at Duquesne, Tuesday the twentieth. Uh, this one I nearly uh, I was this uh, the same night as the city game. It was it was horrible because we're getting. I think it was. We're getting was. our our yes. our just absolute doors blown off in this Duquesne game and, and the city game starts I'm like finally a reprieve something else that I want to watch that I can listen to and I the announcer was worse <laughs> than the Duquesne announcer it, it was I was in hell truly in hell yeah. um but this start was just absolutely horrendous um I've I I, I don't know how this t like I don't know what the what the plan uh like i I don't were they not prepared again for pressure yeah that's uh that's a good question zach i uh were they not prepared i would say you're right they were not prepared like they they weren't prepared for anything and i mean the way the way this game started i don't think they were prepared for the time of day that the game was because duquesne got out to a 25 to 4 lead uh, which I, I think was the biggest of the half. Slu did somehow cut it to 14 points at halftime, 41-27, because quite frankly, I don't think Duquesne is very disciplined. 
Um, they settled for way too many long range threes. They could have easily had 50 or more points in this half, but you know, they just kind of at times tried to see if they could get hot again and just took dumb shots. I didn't quite know what they were doing. I was like, you guys, if you, if you give slew's defense, like five to eight seconds, you're going to find holes. You don't need to shoot a 30 footer day day grant or whoever else was on their team was, was taking dumb long threes or long twos i was like you guys just pass it twice and watch the thing open up like the red sea and just have what you want i don't know what duquesne was doing so 47 i would have been or sorry uh 41 i would have been really upset if i were a duquesne fan i mean this they left double digit points on the table easily yeah i mean the the thing out with this is 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 to get it i think i'll if I'm any other fan, but like slew VCU Dayton, yeah. like, I don't know that. Like I, I, I'm loving this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand that, but I think, and maybe my perspective is just the fact. That I I've think all of our perspectives. We, are we, we've seen slew. We've seen slew play too much. So we know how, just how bad the defense is. So I, I understand what you're saying, but there were stretches where I just thought Duquesne could be growing and growing and growing that lead and making this like a truly embarrassing margin. Um, but they were just settling for easy stuff. So Slew did get to within 11 early in the second half before it got out of control again. And the question, Zach, that that I kind of asked watching this game um, related to what you asked to open this one up is what was the scouting report on Day-Day Grant? Like, this guy's not a mystery. He was a first-team all-conference preseason player, right? Everybody we knows have, who he is. We have, a, we have an assistant who was on staff at duquesne yeah yeah so this what is, is he like, doing this guy is like one of the least mysterious guys we'll face all year like uh, there are other teams and, and we'll get into this later who have transfers who we haven't seen yet necessarily right but grant is a guy we've seen we know what he does 31 points on 10 of 19 shooting six for 13 from three as i said some of those threes were dumb but like they seem content to let him shoot even good threes you don't want anybody going six of 13 from three. That's just, it's too many attempts. It's too many makes bad, bad, bad news. And yeah, it's another 30 piece for the leading scorer on an opposing team. It just, it happens to us way, way too much. I've so never I'd, seen anything like it, Peter. No, <laughs> I haven't seen anything like it since the last game. Since for the last, how many years do you think that's been going on? Mm. Two, three. Well, Duquesne in particular, we've 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 had guys who have just really gone off against us, you know, and and not just that's why um, we got Charles Thomas in the past couple of years. But they've they've had guys really have big games against us. We had that Billiken Killers conversation last summer or something like that, and Duquesne had a few entries on there. there. There's a lot of entries being written uh, in the yes. last two years. Oh my God, have there ever? But but even even the guys who haven't like fully established themselves, Duquesne always has had one player really go off against us. So I don't know what it is, but um, we should have been prepared for this guy and we just weren't. No, we were not. Uh, and I don't know if uh, Duquesne was uh, ready for Kellen Thames in this one because he was the lone bright spot. He really was. 30 minutes, 12 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, one foul, one turnover. That one foul is kind of my favorite part of that whole thing because we've been harping on him about foul trouble and he stayed out of it in this game. And he was just his normal active, bouncy self throughout. So 
I really liked what he was bringing, but he seemed like the only guy who had had, you know, a good night's sleep before this game. Um, cause everybody else just didn't bring it. Um, I, you know what? I, I, I really want to go into like this tangent about Kellen Thames and how I don't understand why we don't run more stuff for him. Like those quick hitters that we saw from like anything that you would run to get, uh, sincere Parker involved in the offense. Like I uh, run that for Kellen Thames too. Cause I think Kellen Thames has that gene. I do, but also like as you just say like those two names and you wonder why do we not push things in transition like all day? And we're going to get into it for GW. We still score a ton without running a very fast offense. And it's just like, guys, we could uh, score 200. We we really could. We really could. I, I don't I, I don't understand. I mean, we just we have a team uh, what I what I see is and I guess we don't really have, you know, strong point guard play but otherwise we have a roster that's very well suited to play fast 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 mm. um so yeah i don't get it because we don't have the legs dude i guess so you, you gotta reserve your strength for those practices uh parker just the, the this this ended his hot streak he just couldn't get anything going in this one uh he seemed to have some foot problems in the second half uh which we would find more on find more out about later yeah he didn't end up playing in the next game i guess that was related um it, it, this initially made me nervous given his foot injury earlier this season but when he didn't play against george washington we were told it was foot problems but unrelated to that injury uh so yeah i don't know i don't know i i guess we need to find him some new shoes yeah i don't know what's going on there well um but I mean, I, a lot of credit has to go to Jimmy Clark on Duquesne. Um, he spent a little time on Parker, a little time on Jimerson, and Jimerson couldn't get free either, especially when Clark was guarding him. Um, he did score 12 overall, but Clark ended up with six steals to go with his 18 points, four rebounds, seven assists. So he did a good job. Um, and I'm forgetting the other dude's name who they spent most of the game on on Parker and Jimerson and and really frustrated those guys. And, and of course, slew having no playmaking creativity whatsoever. Um, just no way to get those guys loose. Um, Hughes was, um, a non-factor in this one, uh, foul trouble immediately four fouls in his first six minutes of play. Uh, didn't get in again until late in the second half. Hargrove had mm-hmm. 17. He's been maybe the steadiest force offensively it's like weird he's because, not been great but he's always yeah. tend to put up that between 10 and 15 10 and 20 yeah he's been i i agree like our most and it's interesting for hargrove too because he's kind of been our quietly most consistent player yes. right like 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 100%. every game i yeah i putting up I, double I, figures I, and good rebounding numbers and like fairly efficient shooting numbers and you and and just but you you don't come away necessarily thinking about the game he had when it ends, right? He would be a great Cody Ellis piece on a good team. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, people. Um, uh, yeah. had 13 and seven. I don't know what else to say about him. I, uh, there's nothing on the stat sheet that really jumps out as to why this game went the way it did. I I, I think you really can can really parse it down to that first. 10 minutes that that uh, that yep. first half like they uh, they were ready to play they came ready to play they played with intensity and 
I don't know what we did. Uh, I, this is one of those times where you're like, okay, Travis. Yeah. Team didn't bring intensity. Oh, sorry. Even when slew got to within like 11 or so, and you thought like, Oh, are they closing the gap? Are they coming back? I mean, it still just never felt like it was going to happen. It just, yeah. it just didn't. The the funniest, the funniest part to me, Zach, though, the Duquesne announcers who are really goofy. Mm. And, and I know you and I, mm. and, and, and West Pine Bills and other fans all have different perspectives on what these guys exactly bring. I think they sound like small town high school basketball announcers. They are goofy. And boom goes the dynamite. I mean, they are really, they are clowns. But like they were exasperated at at a point in the second half, they were just like they they they're watching Slew play defense and they just go, oh they can't guard anybody, they don't want to guard anybody, and then they're like they were better in that press there for a minute than they were in the half court defense, and the other guy jumps in and goes, yeah I asked myself that question before the game, can they defend? Nope. <laughs> and this was just right in the middle of of a play, like it was it was. It was unbelievable. These guys were just like smacking themselves on the forehead, being like, we've never seen a team defend this poorly. They cannot, they can't stay in front of anyone. I couldn't listen. Like I cannot. And I, I think this, again, we're going to point back to the, the, the Travis Ford, please fire Travis Ford before the season ends, because I cannot listen to announcers go on the Travis Ford PR train anymore. Well, I cannot do... hear about this. It's the same <laughs> spiel. It's like they're handed yeah. talking points. Yeah. And they do that before the game and then they watch the team play, you know, they don't really go back to that stuff. You know, no. like some, some of them have the audacity, like as the game's going on to be like, well, if you know, their better players are injured or whatever, but it's like, if you watch the game unfold, you just go, they have no clue what they're doing defensively. And that's, that's on the coach. It's, it's, it's really incredible, but look, I can see why Duquesne got kind of overrated this season. Yeah. You know, they've got some individually talented players. They've got good players. They were fun last season. Like last season, they were supposed to be terrible, finished last in the conference, and they didn't. You know, they were they were the anti-Billikens. Enjoyable to watch. No expectations, and they outperformed it. So I can, I can kind of see why that happened, but they're just not as good as a unit as they are individually. Um, you know that this win gave them seven in their last nine, but I I just don't see this being a team that that wins a conference tournament. No, uh, I mean it's just it, it's it's a I I hate this season so damn much, Peter. Well, yeah, because in 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 normal year, if you can defend and rebound, this is the kind of team you beat. Oh my god! If we could defend and rebound, if this team right here could defend and rebound, yeah. It'd be I, great. It'd be great. This is exactly the kind of team you beat. This Duquesne team. No, you'd beat every freaking team. Like in this, this league, yeah. You, yes, you, you we would be would damn be near to the it. top of the league. Yeah. All we needed was two big men that could defend and rebound <laughs> and maybe score a little. Unbelievable. Uh, speaking of defense, let's talk about this George Washington game, Pete. 96 to 91 huh. win over George Washington on Saturday, the 24th. Congrats, Billiken fans. You got NBA basketball without the NBA prices. My God, extend Chris May. <laughs> I it's it was NBA style basketball with a much lower caliber of player. I gotta, you know, let's 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 be clear. It was we worse tweeted... defense. 96-91, because it was worse defense than you'd see in the NBA. 
Oh yeah. Oh, I mean easily. No, I mean there's my point was there was no defense in the end. Never mind. Yeah. Never. Yeah. What, it I, was I, a bad yeah. joke. It was not it's, it was not great. We 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 tweeted out before the game that this would be a, a combined two hundred point uh game scored in regulation, or at least that it could be. And we got 187 points. We were close, but we didn't know that Sincere Parker was going to be out for this game, to be fair. Um, Zach, I think you thought that this game should have been a blowout, though. Yes, that's what that's kind of like this is the best that our offense can be. Yeah. We're shooting this well. What if you, that George Washington team is so bad and missing two key players? How how do we give up 91? Like, how do you score that? This should have been 91 to 70 or 96 to 70. You're missing two key players if you're George Washington, and one of them is not named James Bishop, which means that guy is going to take every shot. Yes. Like, like hound him and, and like put guards on him without fear of fouling, right? Like knowing that you've got other guys on the bench, knowing that you don't have um, a, a Yuri Collins who you're worried about getting in foul trouble, a Jordan Goodwin who you're worried about getting in foul trouble, hound that guy. Don't give him any room to do anything because he's the only guy on their team who's actually going to be um, a scoring threat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, instead what happens is he scores, like we just said in the last game, yet another A-10 player to have a 30-point game on us, uh, 34 to be exact in this case. And uh, and yeah, he just had a little a little too much space act to operate. I I wonder where like because you I mean Travis has harped on the physicality, and we saw a little bit in this game where we looked decent on defense with Steph in there. But yeah. like a guy like George Churchich, if you're if you, I don't care how good a defense or bad a defense he is, mm. like. That dude is willing to go face first into the stanchion for a loose ball. Mm -hmm. Put him on Day Day Grant. Put him on James Bishop. Let yeah. him beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Test the refs. Test yes. the refs. Yeah. I, I like. I don't understand. If you're looking for toughness, George Churchich and Steph Van Bussel are your guys. And we're going to get into that further as we get into this game. Um Again, this should have been this, this is a this is a 25 to 30 point blowout with any sort of defense from the Billikens. Um GW made a game of this. Uh they pulled it within two points three times in the final minute, Pete. They did. And the first time they got to within two was after Medley missed a pair of free throws with 59 seconds left. Bishop converts at the other end, and you just get that feeling, Zach, of like, oh. you gotta be kidding me. Like this is not happening right now. But Luckily, Slew was 9 of 10 from the line after that. Hargrove had the only miss. They really could not afford any more than that that one miss. And and Medley, by the way, after that went 4 for 4. So, you know, crisis averted. But they not only gave up the lead here, they they almost gave up the entire game from, from one that seemed very much in the bag as the first half progressed because Slew led 55 to 42 at halftime. That's only because Bishop hit a three at the buzzer. That's a season high for points in the first half, and it matches the 55 they scored in the second half against St. Joe's when Billy Lang handed them the game. Um, just one of those things, Zach, like the way that that first half went, it's it was unimaginable 
if you told me at that point, George Washington is going to have this one down to the wire. The, the question has been asked on more than one occasion, dare I say it, many occasions. What the hell is going on in that locker room at halftime? Yeah. I know that's a it's a it's a it's a valid question. Uh, is is the, like I just don't know how often, like I wonder how much when we are winning that uh, it's so interesting because I think on a lot of different levels Travis Ford overthinks and overcoaches, mm-hmm. and and just over, I I don't know over a lot of things, but like, did you did did you address what George Washington might do? And how you would react if they did it? I, I don't. Right. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't. Frankly, did, I just realized. Like I almost said, I don't care. <laughs> and, and I realized this: how much I have somebody in in this Discord server, uh, not our Discord server. I we're not that popular, um, but somebody said like. They they literally said don't care on the result of the game, and I I thought about that and and how much I've had to disassociate not just with Billiken losses but like the idea of sports affecting me in any sort of way. Like I don't talk shit to people anymore about like I'm not gonna go on the Twitter and interact in any sort of shit talking way with like a VCU fan. I don't, I don't like, it doesn't matter to me this year. Like I've had mm-hmm. to like, I've realized that like, it's not, it doesn't make any sense. And that's scary to me because that means now that I don't sports as a whole and watching pro and college sports, like my brain is starting to really try to separate itself from caring about sports altogether. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to push it away for like a season of Billiken basketball. And now I'm getting, I'm, I'm flirting with, like uh, sports really don't matter all that much do they huh <laughs> yeah it's it's put other things in perspective i guess uh i don't like a, it when you're not enjoying it as much um <laughs> yeah i know i i i i still care i mean i'm here yeah. I still oh care. i care i'm gonna i'm gonna drive my happy ass down to down to Shafitz on wednesday night i will once again not pay for a ticket yeah, I have paid directly to the Billiken ticket office. I have paid zero dollars. No, I have paid ten dollars this year, for and that was for a women's basketball ticket. Mm-hmm. That is the one time I have given money directly to the Billiken ticket office. Now, I have eaten at games. I I will admit to that. But... <laughs> They're getting that chicken tender margin on you. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they so are. Speaking, speaking of uh, halftime adjustments here, Slew goes 12 of 19 from three, which is phenomenal in the first half. Uh, I love that they shot 19, by the way. May 12. Second half, one for seven from three. First half, they shot over 65%. Second half, then that's overall. Second half, they shot under 35%. So clearly, I, I think it's more than just cooling off, right? Like G- GW Stop made... pushing the tempo. As bad as George Washington's defense is, and and they are appalling. Like they they're a really bad team. They clearly did some things differently, right? Like they were trying to take away some looks a little bit more. 
um, than in the first half. And and I know halftime can be, it's a big dividing line and guys cool off and, and yeah, slew played a little bit differently, but I don't know. I don't know what was said in slew's rock locker room um, because of, of the way this game swung Zach, it was, it was pretty, uh, I don't know. It was pretty jarring because like that, that whole first half, you just kind of felt like, okay, good. This was an easy one. Yes. I, I don't like, I don't understand why you're not trying to knock teams out. Yeah. Like you have, you have won. Uh, this is your third win in conference. Is that right? Yes. Three and 11. Now this is your third win in conference. What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. What uh, another, you're not getting out of the pillow fight. Mm-hmm. Um, What do you lose it? You lose another game at home. Key, like I understand not wanting to like go way outside the box or whatever to start again, but like you're up 55 to 42 mm-hmm. push the tempo. You can clearly, you have seen your offense, like you score in transition and like moving the ball quickly. Like, why aren't you trying to extend that? Like, I don't, under, I don't understand it. I don't, yeah. I, it's so much, so much of, like that overthinking Travis Ford. Oh, well, we're up 55, 42. We got to slow it down and, and, and try to like, I don't know. Is that anal? That's not, that's not analytical. Is it like, no, it's just being too conservative. Yes. The, the conservativeness in, uh-oh, uh-oh, we don't want to get anybody angry. We don't want, we don't want to get shot. Low, by lower, lowercase C. Yeah. Lowercase C. Uh, too, too much conservative basketball in this mm-hmm. one uh yeah. and, and in every game really like go for that knockout throw your best stuff every time right but yeah i i don't know um the second half shooting decreased to under 35 percent. i know from over 65 percent. it's wild uh but we did have six players in double figures almost so that's, seven that's nearly something. seven that's something it yeah. is. This is this is a game that you win. Like, this is an NCAA tournament game where you win going away, mm-hmm. offensively speaking, sure. against anybody. You shoot twelve for nineteen from three and a half, and that's uh, that's going to put teams in a hole that's hard to get out of. Uh, with with any sort of uh, just the defense, man. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Jimerson with 19 in this one, leading all scores. Yeah, he uh, was only five of 18, though, and three of 10 from three. He was one that in the first half, it kind of took him a while to get going, right? It kind of felt like, and then in the second half, too. I mean, he just, um, he's the one who never really got in a rhythm here, which was was odd. He had his moments, but three of 10 from three, like if you told me Slew went 12 of 19 for three in the first half, I would have been like, okay. I mean, Jimerson obviously played a role in that, right? But, uh, but a, a smaller role than than you would think, for sure. A career high for Medley in this one, right? Has to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, fourteen points, seven assists, seven ties his career high. Um, and then he had he hit both of his three point attempts. He was six of eight from the free throw line. Both of those marks are career highs as well. So, uh, so yeah, big day for him. And then Hughes also had 14 and was, was more efficient than he's been lately 
four of seven, two of five from three, and then four of five from the line. So pretty good day for him. He let his hair out. Yes. I don't know if uh, the different look kind of had him. Had it, him uh, Larry Hughes' former teammate, Anderson Verajao, would be uh, <laughs> would be uh, proud of that hair. Yeah. Um, Hargrove, steady Eddie, 13 points, eight rebounds. Uh, as a weirdo, 10 and seven. I saw the, I did notice as a weird, I finally noticed every people talk about like as a being, you know, aloof, uh, not necessarily in the game. And I saw one of the worst, his, his worst defensive possession. Like I noticed it. it mm-hmm. Hughes got driven on. And as a is just watching the drive and Ford nearly ran out to, to the lane to yell, you're just watching because by the way, uh, you could hear everything that he was saying because of so much dead air on the broadcast. Oh yeah. I know we're going to get it. We need to get into that too. Cause I have thoughts. Do we, do we need to get into that? Uh, I can, I, I, uh, I'll, all right. All right. We will. Uh, Thames 11 points on four or five shooting two or three from three. Uh, we've said it. Uh, he's, he's efficient. He's incredibly efficient. And he is not uh, a point of emphasis in this offense. And he had a good week despite that. Yeah. Uh, Churchich, uh, came out of like, not out of nowhere. Um, uh, career nine, po- career high, nine points, three or four from the field. All from three. He had a career high five assists. Play this man. Yeah, he did it in just um, how many minutes did he get here? He did it in twenty three minutes. Five assists, one turnover, one steal. I, I yeah, I just like he earned his minutes here, right? I mean, that's yeah. a he had a good game, and every time you noticed him out there, he was he was in the right spot. He looked good. I I really liked what he brought to this. Uh, Jean got two, four points and no rebounds. Van Bussel, interesting game in this one. I thought he had some real good minutes. Uh, every time we see him out there, it seems like he's more comfortable, more relaxed, less frenetic. Uh, you know, just more, he, he just improves every time we see him. And I think it's somebody like, regardless of what he brings on offense, or if he turns the ball, I don't care. The dude brings a physicality in the paint, and we are missing that sorely on the defensive end, especially when guards drive past our guards. Yeah, it's been interesting. I I only put these two in there because they only played eight and seven minutes, and they didn't put up big numbers, and a lot of times we would just skip over that. But to just kind of highlight how different their trajectories have been over the course of the season because – Bruce started out, he did some nice things early, and we all thought, ooh, we have like a prospect here. He's a seven-footer. He's got like kind of a little bit of finesse on offense. He's an interesting player. And then Steph, we all thought like this guy's a stiff. He At, at best, he's a goon. And then as time has gone on, you're like, well, he can rebound. He's a lovable goon. And Bruce cannot rebound. No. I mean, he is not a rebounder. Zero rebounds in this one. And and it's it's a struggle for him to get that board and normally when he does it's like just a little tip put back kind of thing um steph can rebound he hits everything hard he hits other people hard i mean i like his game he's big he's gritty he tries hard and those guys have just gone a completely different direction over the course of the year in the beginning of the year i would have said bruce is a guy you you want to protect him keep him 
Um, but now I, I, you know, I don't necessarily feel that way. I don't I, know where he's going, but, but I, Steph, I love the effort there. He's, he's got the character of the young freshman big you would want on your team defend rebound, right? Yes. Um, I think Zhang certainly like he can learn to rebound if he wants to, if he wants to figure it out, he could do it. But like right now, uh, I think the, the trajectory for SVB is, is like I don't think anything Zhang does in the middle of this season is going to he's not gonna improve within the season. Like Van mm-hmm. Bussel has a better uh, upside in the middle of this season where he's he's getting better as the season goes because he has that that defense and rebounding. You're never mind. I like the defensive side is not something you can teach in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. The rebounding, yeah. it's tough because, again, you're trying to protect your bigs, trying to keep people healthy. It's a physical, demanding drill to run, a rebounding drill. Um, so it, it's difficult. Um, the Billikens made 27 of 33 from the free throw line, That both season highs. Uh, the Bills only had seven turnovers. Again, great number. However, Pete, I mean, GW's defense is bad. <laughs> you know, like I'd love to say, hey, seven turnovers, you got to protect the ball. But like I, I, GW just does not. I mean, it, it, it's comparable to SLU. Like if you look at the numbers, right? But they've done it against a weaker schedule, and which is which is hard to even imagine. This was their 10th straight loss. And they just don't appear to be trying at all, especially on the defensive end. I was kind of um, amazed because I, I thought, okay, so there are teams kind of down at our level in this conference. You know, I saw, I, saw, I knew that GW was losing a lot lately. And, uh, you know, LaSalle and SLU are pretty comparable and things like that. And I, I knew Rhode Island was struggling, but man, oh man, I, I did not think that I would see another defense as bad or, or even worse than SLU's. But this was really something to behold. Let's go around the A-10, Pete. Do you wow. want to get into the broadcast at all before we Yes, yes, I do. Thank you. Because I, right. got, I, got, I got blinded by the two men in a garden ad read there for a minute. Okay. I, I'm so excited about our sponsor that I literally was skipping over things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, the broadcast. Um, so we've had, what, four games of Alexa Dat now, maybe five? I think this was the fourth. I think we've got one more to go. Dude. I just don't. There's so much dead air. Like you can't even look away from the game for two seconds because you have no idea what's going on. I I am sure that like, I just don't think she's a basketball play by play person. I think she'd be great at baseball or she'd be good at baseball. She'd be at home with baseball, but like, I just don't know like it just signals as much that like nobody gives a shit about this season in the athletic department mm-hmm. that we can't find anybody else and subsidize them to do the announcing. Yeah, it, It's the, and I don't want this to, again, I feel like it's all, it's always, you know, going straight at somebody who's trying their best at their job, but like, 
I'm not mad at Alexa Dad. Alexa Dad, I'm sure, is a wonderful person and, and very good at what she does in the uh in the studio. I know she's good in the studio with the blues and the cardinals, but like she is not a play by play person. Um it's just not there and right now. Could she be? I don't know. Good like that's great, but like SLU should not be the place you put somebody who's never done play by play on any level. Uh and I said that before and this season has just confirmed it for me. I can't uh it's it's frustrating. And and even if you want to say like Valley Sports, um, you know, contract and they're running out of money, it's like you have to be aware that Valley Sports is in financial trouble if you're if you're Chris May and have some sort of contingency plan if Valley Sports tries to screw you over. I mean, we we broadcast men's soccer, men's, you know, women's soccer, baseball, softball. There are people out there you can get to do play by play. And I just, I just leaving it up to Bally sports to kind of just insult us with somebody who'd never done it before is just frustrating. Um, I'm going to go get some two minute in the garden salsa because I need an emotional pick me up. Yeah. And I, I don't blame you, Zach. I mean, the salsa is a good way to go, but lately I got to say, I've got a couple of jars of the dill pickles that I recently ran out of. And I don't know what's going on in their their kitchen, their factory, their their bottling, packaging line, whatever. Magic. The pickles lately have been fantastic. Like they they just keep getting better. Whatever they've dialed in lately, they've just really got this thing, the recipe just right. Um, I just gotta say, yeah, the the dill are my favorite. But if you're going um, with the bread and butter or the bread and butter kicker, or even the smoky ones spicy dill i mean they've got the the five different varieties but to me the classic dill it just doesn't get any better and they've really perfected whatever magic they've got going on in that uh in that facility so head over to two minute check out the product category pickles get any of their five products or you can find most of them locally at uh schnooks straubs a lot of your local grocery stores if you're in st louis go check them out but you can find them anytime at two men in a garden.com. Uh, let's go around the A10, Pete. Tuesday, the 20th, Davidson 68, Fordham 53, um, UMass 74. And to nobody's surprise uh, here in St. Louis, VCU 52. Yeah, they, they had a little fool's gold thinking their offense was back after that slew game. Uh, it is not back. Um, Wednesday, the 21st, LaSalle, LaSalle, dropping St. Bonaventure, 72-59. Uh, a lot of chatter around Bonaventure. They're, they're a little uh, uh, suspect of Mark Schmidt down there. Um, well, they go back and forth every year on Schmidt, don't they? They go back and forth every week now or every game. Comrade uh, Schmidt. By the way, that whole bit bothers me because Lil Bona X – uses uh the russian uh the cyrillic letter that's not n mm. he uses e he uses ye e there's e and ye i think that's how e ye i don't know i forget i took three semesters i learned how to say vodka give me a break I uh didn't, i didn't take any russian i've watched you know some james bond movies but that's about it <laughs> 
Um, anyway, uh, Richmond 84, Rhode Island 77, uh, St. Joe's 79, George Washington 75. Uh, Washington, George Washington really does stink. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Mason 71, Dayton 67. Give it up for the give it up for our uh, the 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 juggalo patriot over there. Uh, I love that he's got the painted face. I think that's so random and ridiculous. Yeah, it's funny. This was also, by the way, George Mason's first win over a ranked opponent at home in program history. That was crazy for a team that's been to a final for a program that's been to a final four. It's just like, but but they've been they've been in the eighth cent for what a decade now. Um, Too you know, long, something like that. So it just it just shows you like even in the eighth cent, but before that they were in the colonial. You don't get many swings at a ranked opponent at home if you're not in a major conference. You really don't. Um, so anyway, credit to them for a big win. Pete, tell us about Friday ten. Friday ten was a real barn burner between two of our finest. Fordham 79, Duquesne 67 in a, you know, just kind of ugly game all the way around. Uh, Duquesne fans, not happy after that one. Is Dan um, Brad on the hot seat here? It's so funny because some of the most prominent Duquesne people we follow will be like, no, he's the guy. He's still our guy. If you don't think this is as good as we can do, you're not. So I'm just kind of like, really? Like another person couldn't step in there and win more? Well, I mean, isn't the rumor that like Dan Brat's just going to retire and it's Drew Joyce? Yeah, something like that. And which I would be thrilled as a Duquesne fan to, you know, like it's Dan Brat's just going to be mediocre forever there. Um, Every once in a while, they're going to outperform. They'll still finish like, I don't know. His future is Fran Dunphy. At best. Yeah. Where he just kind of coaches a middling little team. Mm -hmm. He's a caretaker of a program. I don't right know. like he's not going to drive a, another mac program into the ground or anything like that so no no he'll, he'd be fine but another place like that but not i i, I kind of feel like he's a low ceiling guy um saturday the 24th we had saint bonaventure 75 umass 67 uh i guess extend mark schmidt after that one um loyola 80 george mason 59 i don't know what happened to george mason after that dayton win but maybe they partied a little too hard Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Loyola, by the way, has, has been really good lately. And then uh, Richmond, uh, in the battle of our country club programs, Richmond 66, Davidson 63, and then to The Vineyard up, Vines beats the Brooks Brothers. That's, that's right. That's right. Um, and then on Sunday the 25th, we had LaSalle winning again. 84 Rhode Island 61 and then VCU 73 St. Joe 69 and the the explorers celebrated with skinny dipping in the pool that's right they went down the slide yes they did uh that hopefully uh, that might hurt a little bit <laughs> uh let's let's preview a couple of, I almost said let's skip one of these games because I thought we'd already played one of these teams but we haven't Huh. No, these are two new teams, and I think that's kind of that's got to be the last time that happens, right? Because we, yeah, we've got Saint, uh, we've got Dayton, and then we finish with Saint Bonaventure, who I guess we haven't seen yet this year, but we know Dayton by now. Um, I I looked at the schedule and I was like, "There's really five more games. We have five more games left." Well, it's four now. Whatever, too many. 
<laughs> it's just two weeks though. But yeah, let's. I'm gonna fly through these. We play Richmond on Wednesday, the 28th at home, and then we go to Rhode Island on Saturday, March 2nd. So Richmond is an interesting team this year. They're a, a somewhat surprising 20 and eight overall. Very surprising 12 and two in conference, tied in first right now with Loyola, uh, which is crazy and has Dayton fans seething. I'm sure Chris Mooney is in his 19th season as the head coach of the Richmond Spiders. He's led them into the NCAA tournament three times, although I think they may have made it in 2020 before it was canceled and they were ranked as high as number 19 the following season before they fell off. And we know how that feels. They started out this season as a team that was scoring a ton over 80 in their first, I should say five of their first eight games. And they, they hit 90 in three of those. And then they've become more of a defensive minded team after that. They went eight and five in non-conference. They lost to Florida, Colorado, BC, Northern Iowa, Wichita state, nothing too surprising there, but the a 10 season has really opened eyes as they kind of started out eight. No, and have either shared or held outright first place for most of the season. Again, they're doing it with defense. They usually don't win by a lot. Eight of their 12 conference wins have been by single digits, but they're 29th in Ken Palm's adjusted def defensive efficiency. They're 32nd in points allowed per game, just about 66, a little bit under that per game. They don't foul much at all. Offensively, they protect the ball as well as anyone in the nation, just 8.4 turnovers per game. They're pretty efficient shooting it 464, 362, 735. So you can't, you know, you can't leave them alone anywhere. They play pretty much the way Mooney teams always have a lot of that Ivy league influence, cutting, screening, shooting. It's not aggressive stuff. They don't crash the glass at all. They're basically last in the country in offensive rebounding. If you're looking at their starting lineup, Jordan King leads the offense at 18.8 .8 points a game. He's a fifth year transfer from East Tennessee state. And he's just six foot 175, but he's exactly the kind of guy who lately has scored 30 or more against SLU. So he's the guy to watch out for. Neil Quinn is a fifth year player in his second year at Richmond after transferring from Lafayette. He's a seven footer, 280 pounds, big. He's an okay rebounder. He's a little soft. He's actually their leading, uh, their leader in assists because he just does a ton out of the high post. This team uh, is so screwed. It's, it's, it's we a are, weird... we are in a lot of trouble. Yeah. They're just um, going to run through. Uh, it's going to be insane. They're, they're going to have no problems. Against us. Isaiah Bigelow is a six, seven senior. He's a better rebounder than Quinn actually. And he scores 11.4 points a game. Good shooter, pretty efficient from any, everywhere. And then uh, D, how do you say his name? DG Bailey, G Bailey. It's DJ. I G Bailey. I, I've, I've heard. I think Bailey it's refer, I th yeah, Jai, okay. Jai, Jai or G Bailey. I think yeah. it's like a Drew, Drew Holiday. It's one of those names like I know I've heard in broadcasts, and I'm just like, I'm overthinking it now. It's like a Drew. It's like a Drew Holiday. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, anyway, it's, he's a fourth-year player. He's played his whole career at Richmond, but only this year has he taken a jump. He's He's been a guy you can kind of skip over in previous years. Three points per game or less, really. Um, and that's where he was as a junior, and now he's scoring over 10 points a game as a senior. Delani Hunt is the other starter in the lineup. He's a fourth-year transfer from Wagner. He averages just over nine a game. He's also small, about six foot. So they have small guards, um, but but they're they're pretty, you know, pretty good team nonetheless. It's a it's a game where you wish you had Meadows and Medley to line up with these guys. I think that would be a good combo again. 
but really experience, patience, poise. The whole starting lineup is fourth or fifth year players. Four, four of them are their transfers in their first or second years there, but they play really well together in Mooney's system and have generally gotten better as the season has progressed. So yeah, you're, you're right, Zach. This could be kind of a, a tough matchup for us. And, and we've been all right against Richmond in the past too. So it's kind of a shame. Yeah, I just really don't. I mean, they're like, I just imagine them running that offense and our guys just looking like they're watching the Tasmanian devil. They're going to carve us up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rhode Island, Pete, this has to be a win. It does. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking at the rest of the schedule, this is the, this is the one that stands out as the one that has to be a win. And then you hope you pick off another one, but after starting the season three and oh, they're now 11 and 15, they're five and nine in conference. Archie Miller's in his second year there and has won just 20 total games. He went nine and 22 last season. They're honestly a little worse than I thought. I mean, I know his four years at Indiana were not successful, but he was really good at Dayton. Uh, He's making people forget. You know, it's interesting about Rhode Island is I, do they have fans? (laughs) They do. They're just no. Uh, I mean, like, I don't. I'm not like joking. Like their their arena makes it very hard to tell if there's anybody in the building. Fair question. I don't know. Like they're the, when, they're the when northeastern you, outpost. I've never been. Uh, I've never been up there to a game. I feel like when you watch a Billiken game, like even when we don't have good crowds, it, it, there's you can they, they pan to the crowd a lot. There's a lot go like you can tell what's happening in the crowd. In this one, it's like, it's just like, it's just a shot of the court and then like close-ups of a couple fans here and there. Like, I don't know. It's a fair question. I don't know much about the, uh, the Ryan center though, but uh, I'll, I'll make it a point to get out there sometime. And yeah, figure can out you the report mystery. back on that? I will. All I right, will, I you. promise. Uh, but the, you know, I, I just think they're, they're a little worse than I may, maybe it has to do with how many new players he has this year, but we've seen other teams with less experienced coaches do well with a lot of new guys. So they're really streaky. They also started a 10 play three and O before losing four straight. And now they're on a three game losing streak. Um, the only wins since their three and O start in conference have been against LaSalle and GW. They're not as bad as slew or GW defensively, but they're bad. They give up 76.3 points a game. They barely force over nine turnovers per game. They're a decent rebounding team, actually, pretty good on that on that front, especially defensively. But uh, tell me if you've heard this one before. They're a good three-point shooting team in terms of percentage, but they only attempt about 18 a game. Um, they're one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in the country, but somehow their opponents only shoot 65.3% from the line, which is also near the bottom of the country. There, there just must be something about the shooting backdrop at the Ryan Center or something like that. So uh, I, th- I think you're onto something with the mystery of that building, Zach. Um, Jaden House is the leading scorer at 15.2 points a game. He's a 6'4 guard who transferred from high point. Good three-point shooter, but about two-thirds of his attempt comes from inside the arc which is kind of true of all these guys. They just, they, they're not high volume shooters across the board. David Green, he's 6'7", 215 wing. Didn't play the first dozen or so games because like Brad as a Wiro, he was a two-time transfer waiting on clearance, but he's become their second leading scorer since joining the lineup, averaging 14.3 points a game 
very good three-point shooter, not super high volume, but a very bad free throw shooter, um, and, and, uh, which I guess is pretty consistent with their overall lineup. Although interestingly, their record has been worse since he has rejoined. Uh, Luis Courtright, he's a 6'3 senior transfer from Quinnipiac. He averages us just over 10 a game. Zeke Montgomery is a 6'6 wing junior transfer from Bradley. He averages about 10 and four. He's actually from Louisville, but he went to St. Louis Christian Academy before it closed, just in case you recognize his name. And then David Fuchs is their big man. He's a 6'9", 225-pound forward from Austria. He's just a freshman. He averages about 8 and 7, but he is coming off a 23-12 and 12 performance against Richmond, which not surprising because Richmond's pretty soft inside and their big man um, likes to wander out of the paint a lot. So, um, you know, that that's the kind of game. That a guy is going to have a a, a a big game against. So um, lastly, I, I guess I would just say overall, there's really not a lot to be scared of here, but they're better than George Washington. I think right now there are probably four teams with five wins who are all trying to stay above SLU and GW in the standings and avoid the pillow fight. Only two of them are going to succeed. And I think Davidson's going to be one of them. There's a chance Rody would be number two, but uh I don't know, Zach. Why don't you run us through the standings while we're on that subject? Oh, do we have to? <laughs> we don't have to. Uh, but yeah, loyal. We're, uh, we're down the stretch now. I think we got to put this thing in context. Loyola, Loyola and Richmond sit atop the conference at twelve and two. Dayton eleven and three. VCU ten and four. Saint Bonaventure eight and seven. UMass eight and seven. George Mason seven and eight. Saint Joe's seven and eight. Duquesne six and eight. Davidson five and nine, along with Fordham and Rhode Island, LaSalle five and ten, George Washington three and eleven. I bet you're wondering where St. Louis is. Did we forget them? Did we forget Slew? No, we did not. No, we did not. They are three and eleven, sitting squarely in last place. Although I think they would get the 14 seed and not the 15 based on so 14th place because we have to stay. We can't be. We we can't be. contradictory that's right yeah. yeah so we would get that seed above gw but i don't think it's going to matter uh let's 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 run down basketball real quick um women's basketball they dropped a 79 64 road game versus fordham on wednesday the 21st kyla mcmakin hit a shot at the end of the third quarter to get the bills within nine but fordham went on a 6-0 run to start the fourth quarter and slew couldn't get it down to single digits again this was the second straight game where Brooke Flowers' absence was really felt. Not that she's injured, she graduated, just a reminder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fordham outscored 40, outscored Slew 48 to 22 on points in the paint. It was another poor shooting performance from Slew 34.4% from the field, 26.9 from three. Peyton Kennedy did all she could to keep the Bills in this one, 24 points on 9 of 15 shooting, plus 7 rebounds to go along with that. McMakin, 15 on 5 of 13 shooting. Martinez, steady Eddie for the women. Uh, 9 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, and 4 steals. She also had 4 fouls and 5 turnovers, however, so maybe not so steady on that side of things. McMakin and Kennedy Calhoun were in foul trouble with 4 apiece. Uh, both teams struggled on the defensive glass. Uh, could have been an opportunity for Slew to keep it closer, if not win outright. Fordham had just, nine, but had Fordham had 19 second chance points. 
Uh, Pete, uh, the next game was nothing short of a, well, it was a drubbing for most of the game. For most of the game, yeah, it was. Bonaventure got into it, got back into it a little bit, but the final score, Zach, 83-61 win against St. Bonaventure on Sunday the 25th. Slew got off to a 21-10 lead after the first quarter and led 46-18 to at halftime, which is a it's just incredible number. Uh, but St. Bonaventure then out, outscored Slew by three in each of the final two quarters. It didn't really matter. It was never really in doubt, but you do want to finish a little bit stronger than that. Kyla McBacon, great game. 30 points on 13 to 22 shooting. She went two of five from three. Just kind of let the game come to her. Peyton Kennedy scored 23. That's 24 and 23 in back-to-back games, by the way. That's like player of the week-ish numbers. Um, just throwing that out there. Going nine of 17 from the field. Just one of three from three. Again, didn't shoot a lot from three. She had eight rebounds to go with that. But Slew only shot four of 13 as a team from three. They didn't really need to shoot outside a whole lot because they got 40 points in the paint. They had 21 fast break points compared to just 28 and four from the Bonnies. And I think a lot of that came in the first half as as they really locked it down, created some steals, got some points off of those um, to get that early margin up there. Slew won the overall turnover battle by five. They out-rebounded Bonaventure by five. They wound up giving themselves eight more field goal attempts than the Bonnies as a result. Um, Julia Martinez had nine points, five rebounds, six assists, and four steals off the bench, always filling it up, always with the triple nickels. Um, Markavius Shaver, Zach, had the rare trillion starter. 11 minutes played and no other statistics registered. Unbelievable. Uh, 11 minutes without anything. I mean, bench players know that you got to foul. You got to make your mark in the stat sheet one way or another. But to go 11 minutes and not and not get anything, that's kind of crazy. But it it actually did kind of matter in this game. Uh, seven bench players got in in addition to the starters with Tillett getting to give a few minutes to some of her non-rotation players. And yes, all of them made their mark in one way or another, rebounds, assists, fouls. They did a little a little bit here and there to, to get their name in there, but Shavers didn't. Um, but all in good fun because they, they beat one of the worst teams in conferences by 18. Next up, they've got a game on Wednesday, the 28th against LaSalle. It's at LaSalle. And then on Saturday, March 2nd against Davidson, which is senior day and the final regular season game. So, Zach, as we go into these last two games what are the standings looking like on the women's side uh not great bob uh no actually well better than the than the men at this point yeah they're um, in the thick of the middle anyway they really are um we're not allowed to use thick uh when talking about yeah um sorry uh saying jo- <laughs> the eye roll yeah. was the eye roll was fantastic i mean you 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 are you are you know, yeah just, just just go with it uh St. Joe's and Richmond lead the way 14 and 2. VCU and George Mason uh hanging in there with Duquesne at 13 and 3. Rhode Island 9 and 7 all alone. Davidson 8 and 8. Loyola Chicago 8 and 9. Fordham and St. Louis tied at 7 and 9. Uh Dayton 5 and 11. GW and LaSalle 4 and 12. St. Bonaventure 1 and 15 and UMass bringing up the rear at one and 16. I can't believe there's a team worse than this Bonaventure team. Mm, incredible. Oh, yeah. 
Pete, we're gonna have to strap. We're gonna have to strap in, and the folks at home are gonna have to strap in because we're gonna talk about baseball, and we've got a lot, a lot of runs to talk about. One hundred and four, to be exact. Yeah, but we're gonna breeze through them pretty quickly because uh, I mean it's just gonna sound like the same thing over and over the way this team scores. Uh, Ten to two was the win at Lindenwood on Wednesday, the twenty first. Lindenwood actually out hit Slew eleven to nine. Slew just made every hit count. It was two to two after three. Slew scored three in the six with some classic small ball bunts, stolen bases, stringing a couple singles together, and then they got two more in the seventh with triples from Patrick Closey and Tyler Fogarty. The final three runs came in the eighth and ninth off RBI doubles from Ben Gallagher and Brendan Stressler. Um, Dawson Smith started and gave up two runs in the first three innings. And Jackson Yarberry pitched four shutout innings of middle relief to get the win. Owen Kelly finished it up with two more scoreless innings. Um, and Zach, that was a nice table setter for their three-game series with Western Illinois down in Millington, Tennessee, which we found out was just a little bit north of Memphis, as it turns out. Last week, we said we didn't know where it was, but it was on Friday the 23rd through today, Sunday the 25th, as we record. Yeah, first game of the series was a 20-6 to win versus Western Illinois, Friday the 23rd. Billiken scored one in the top of the first added and added 17 over the next three innings to make a laugher of the first game against Western Illinois, which went seven innings. Uh, it was another four-homer day for the Billikens. Moore, Sitzman, Fogarty, and Newegg all going yard. Uh, nine different players scored and nine different players drove in runs. Moore and Sitzman scored four times. Fogarty led slew with four RBIs. Jackson Holmes got the start, went five innings, got the win with four earned runs. Two more runs scored with Will Bollinger on the Bollinger on the mound in the sixth, but were unearned due to a throwing error. Josh Cunningham finished the game with a scoreless inning. Yeah, and then on Saturday the 24th, they kept it going. 17 to 4 was this win. They actually trailed three to one after four innings. Um, and then started to wake up. They got one back in the fifth, went ahead four to three in the sixth, and then they broke it open with four in the seventh and went crazy with nine runs in the ninth. Twelve different Billikens crossed the plate in this game. Cole Smith led the team with three runs. Smith and Drew Winters each had a grand slam in the ninth inning which is why that was a nine run inning. Uh, and then they each ended up with five RBIs overall for the game. Tommy Ray started, he struck out eight. He gave up three runs in three and two thirds. Uh, but Jack Weber got the win in three and a third scoreless innings of middle relief. Evan Gray and Owen Chaffin each pitched an inning to finish it off. Uh, is it Ch it's Chaffin, right? Yeah. Okay. He gave up that fourth run, but uh, but closed the closed the game out. Uh, let's talk about that third game, Pete. Uh, it was an 8-5 win versus Western Illinois on Sunday, the 25th. So we had a tough time getting anything going at the plate for a while. Uh, trailing 5-1 after 5, they got two back in the 6th and took the lead with a Drew Winters grand slam in the 8th and an insurance run in the ninth. Sitzman had an RBI double to get things going in the 6th and scored on a sack. Fly from Graham Maestros. Uh, it was a second straight game with a grand slam from winners. Uh, Charlie Weber gave up, uh, or he started and gave up four runs and three and a third with five strikeouts. 
Jackson Yarbury pitched the next four to two thirds, giving up one run on three hits. Ethan Bell got the save with a scoreless ninth. So had more runs than hits in all three games against Western Illinois. This is the best start in the coaching career of Darren Hendrickson. It is at seven and zero, oh, and it's Slew's best start since two thousand two, since I was on campus, uh, which is pretty incredible. They have 104 runs, as you said, in those seven games, which is an average of 14.9 runs per game, and they've given up just 42. Seven players have scored 10 or more runs. Everyone in the starting lineup is batting over 300 and has an OPS of over 1,000 or better. Uh, Six players have 10 or more RBIs. The lowest slugging percentage in the lineup is 500. The lowest on-base percentage is 370. And Zach, they've stolen 25 bases on 28 attempts. I think their opponents have stolen five bases on six attempts all season long. And it's just incredible what this team is doing. I think the stolen bases is kind of getting underrated, honestly, because they're hitting so well. But they are just generating runs out there. I am going to posit something here, Peter. Um, Is this team playing with a chip on their shoulder for how the athletic department has maybe neglected that baseball program. That is the most Zach Miller storyline possible for this team. I want it to be true, Zach. I want it to be true because I want you to be vindicated for that. I think probably you motivate a team however you can, right? And there have to be some guys on the team going, all right, we're just gonna we're just gonna ball. Like yeah. we're just going all out. And and they they probably, you know, I trust Hendo has the right mentality for these guys. Like they're they're just yeah. playing their hardest. And and man, oh man, are they they fun so far. Yeah, I'm re- it's really just kind of a bummer that you don't you're not able to really watch a lot of these games. Um yeah. you, you wish you could get into a couple of these tournaments where they do stream the games or the multi-team events baseball really started the mte didn't they 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 were the og at this um, they, they really are yeah baseball and softball uh the, the undefeated billikens uh come back to the area not home uh they take on siue on tuesday the 27th and then they host lemoyne for a three-game weekend series starting on the first through the third that's friday through sunday all games this year will be uh day games due to the lights amazing just Uh, like uh just like the cubs until the late 80s uh softball continues to play play well i think they went three and two in the hilltopper classic hosted by western kentucky at bowl in bowling green uh first game uh 12-0 win in five innings versus eastern illinois on friday the 23rd hockman pitched a shutout with five walks and five strikeouts giving up just two hits Slew did it by stringing a bunch of singles together, mostly. Uh, they scored four in the first, six in the second, and two in the third. Abby Yulsis and Natalie Sullivan each scored three runs from the top two spots of the lineup. Sullivan also stole two bases. Allie Marietta uh, led Slew with four RBIs, including a three-run double. Pete, talk about this eight-inning loss against Western Kentucky. Yeah, they they this was a tough one. This was a heartbreaker. 6-5 in 8 innings against the host team on Friday the 23rd. 
they trailed four to nothing after four. They tied it up with a run in the fifth and then three more in the sixth. And then the game went to extras after a scoreless seventh. Slew scored on a wild pitch in the top of the eighth, but then Western Kentucky tied it on a bases loaded walk in the bottom of the inning and then walked it off with a single. Uh, Lily Strand started. She gave up four runs in four innings. Isabel Royal pitched the last uh, three and a third, and she took the loss. Abby Mello led Slew in hits, runs, and RBIs with two of each of those in three at-bats. She had a solo shot in the fifth and got the sixth inning going with an RBI single. So solid game for her at the plate. But then, Zach, I'll take this one before giving it to you for the Detroit game. Well, the, uh, the interesting question I had is, you know, it's interesting. We had we talked about Lily Strand's college debut was yeah. was a, such a stellar performance. Seems like she's starting to maybe have those freshman struggles. She did at this event, yeah, and, and we'll get to that in the uh, in the in this game right here too, um, because they lost in five innings, eight to nothing against Eastern Illinois on Saturday the twenty fourth. The team that they shut out just the day before, right? And now they t- turn around and they get one hit by Mackenzie Oslanzi of Eastern Illinois. It seems like she's their ace. It's her second complete game shutout on the year. Um, and and yeah, just a one hitter. She was dealing. Meanwhile, they got to Lily Strand early, scoring six runs, including a grand slam before she could even get a second out registered. Um, so it, it was it was a really tough jittery start for her in this one after you said like she had such a promising start last week or, or two weeks ago in her debut. Kelsey Etling is the one who had the lone hit in this game that really uh, just served to break up a no hitter. Otherwise, <laughs> didn't really get anything else done in this game. Uh, but Zach, they turned it around later that day against Detroit. Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, they beat Detroit Mercy in a big way, 17 to one in five innings on Saturday, the 24th. So scored six in the first, including home runs from Abby Mallow and Cammy Newbanks. Detroit was never in it. Uh, 17 hits on 17 runs. Newbanks and Yulsis had three runs apiece. Yulsis also had, uh, the, also led the team with four hits, Mallow with five RBIs. Hockman got the five-inning win, striking out six and allowing just one unearned run. Uh, Pete, do you want to take the 10-7 win, or should I? I'll I'll take it, Zach. This All was right. over the host, Western Kentucky, on Sunday. Slew got out to a 7-2 lead after two innings, uh, but the Hilltoppers never really went away. Slew got one in the sixth and two more in the seventh that ended up sealing it. Um, for the three-run win. Cammie Newbanks, Chloe Ryan, and Kelsey Etling all homered. Ryan's was a two-run shot, while Newbanks and Etling both had three-run homers. Um, so that was pretty much all of their their offensive uh, output right there. Isabel Royal started. She gave up five runs in three innings. Taylor Hockman finished the game, giving up two runs in the last four innings. So Hockman has kind of been, you know, that that steady hand of the of the pitching staff so far that otherwise has a couple freshmen. So I, I imagine, Zach, we're going to see some great games out of the young pitchers, but we're also going to see some shaky starts as well, like we've seen already. Next up on the softball diamond, March 1st through 3rd, SLU will be at the Austin P tournament, which includes Ohio, Indiana State, and IUPUI, in addition to the host school, down in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh. Let's talk about uh, A-10 championship track and field, Pete. 
H at Indoor Champs, uh, 23rd and 24th of February in Virginia Beach. Uh, very nice performance from uh, the men, especially in this in, in these in these A10 championships. Uh, but the women finished 10th overall. Emily Nichols, uh, silver in the 400 with a new school record of 55-36. Michaela McDonald won the bronze 55-39. Uh, Samantha Kunza won bronze in the weight throw with a distance of 18.39 meters. The women's four by 400 meter won bronze as well. And when I say, when you talk about like finishing 10th overall, that's literally a lot. Almost, there's a lot of that where you're finishing as a team because you don't feel that many, mm-hmm. that that's many right. uh, athletes. Uh, yeah. The men finished fourth overall matching their best finish ever. Uh, Evan Brinderman won the triple jump at a 10 championship for Evan Brinderman with a new school record of 15.27 meters. By the way, Pete, I don't understand the triple jump. It's... I don't understand. It does like who was like, okay, okay. We've got who can jump the farthest, who can jump the highest, who can vault themselves the highest with a pole, uh, who can run, fa- who can jump three times the farthest. Wh- who who yeah. comes up with that idea? It's really weird. It's it's a weird, it's a I weird mean, event. I, and I don't, I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying, no. like, I, I'm trying to understand the, like, how that came into being. It's like yeah. the, it's kind of like the, uh, the steeplechase. Right. Um, it's very, yeah. Some of these sports are just like, they were dreamt up at the Olympics 120 years ago. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they're just kind of momentum. They just stick around. They're also the kind of sports nobody is like, that's what I want to do. Like no kids sitting at home watching the Olympics being like that weird jump. That's the one I want. It's the kind yep. of one where like, you know, Hey, so-and-so's out today. Can you fill in for him? I think you'd be pretty good at this. And then mm-hmm. like four years later, you're doing it in college. Yes. Um, Harrison Martinenko took the gold in the mile, a 10 championship for Harrison uh, time of four minutes, seven seconds, four zero seven twenty eight. Uh, he's only about uh, two to three minutes faster than my mile, Pete. Minutes? Yes. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> you got some work to do there. Zach. I know. Yeah. I'm going to go train with Harrison. I, Harrison, I want to train with you. Let's do it. Um, Will Stewart run one bronze in the 200 meter 2171. Uh, James Baker won the bronze in the heptathlon with a point total of 4,802, which is a school record. The NCAA indoor championships will be March 9th through the 10th in Boston. Uh, Pete, give us tennis real quick because I am running out of steam. Yeah, the men won four to three at Chicago State on Saturday, the 24th. Chicago State got the doubles point, winning two of three doubles matches. Um, and then they also won in number one and two singles, but SLU swept the three to six single spots to claim the overall win with Luca Leonardo, Theo Ortiz, Adam Bahoon, and Valentin Vasquez all claiming victories. So the Bills moved to four and one on the season. Next up, they've got Lindenwood at Lindenwood on the Tuesday, the 27th. And then they'll host Oral Roberts on Friday, March 1st, and Northern Kentucky on Saturday, the 2nd, both at St. Clair Tennis Club in O'Fallon. On the women's side, they beat Northern Iowa four to nothing on Friday, the 23rd. They swept doubles and then won in the number three, four, and five singles to get the shutout with the other three singles matches going unfinished. Slew actually led in the number one and two spots when it was called. 
as well. So that was Alashina, um, Ferreira, and White getting the singles wins. And then four to three, same score as the men at Chicago State on Saturday. They got the doubles point, and then they split singles with the Bills claiming victories at number one, Mintasova, number five, Sandra Ginez, and number six, uh, which was Emerson White. SLU is now 5-0 and on the season for the women's side, uh, which is great. And they'll host Lindenwood on Wednesday, the 28th, and Northern Kentucky on Saturday, March 2nd, with both matches also at St. Clair Tennis Club. Uh, swimming and diving, the A-10 championships uh, were February 21st through the 24th in Hampton, Virginia, at the Aquaplex. Uh, the men came in 8th out of 8, and the women finished 11th of 11. Uh, the Bills did not have any top three finishes. <sighs> All right. What 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 does it take, Zach, to uh, to get that competitive uh, or to get the swimming and diving program more competitive? I I yeah. have no idea. I don't know either. No idea. It's tough because I think this is the second year in a row where they've they've finished either at or near the bottom. Yeah, I think it's a it's a sport to field like literally if there wasn't a pool inside Simon rec that could host them, we would not have a team. That's, that's my take because you look at a program like Lennon, we just dropped swimming and diving because they don't have a pool on campus. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I don't know that, that program, like, again, you go back to uh, the conversations I've had with people that swam at SLU is just like, Chris May shows up for the first the 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 pictures and everything at the start of the senior night meet and leaves about 30 minutes into it. Yeah. They, they, they get no love. None. Um, yeah, that's gonna do it. If you're still with us, holy shit, what are you doing? Um, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Seriously. Uh Pete, any last words? Just the usual. Go Bills. Go Bills.